Hi, and welcome to the Fleet Navigator podcast from Release Plan, your go to GPS for all fleet matters. Joined again by Andy Rayner. Afternoon, Andy. Afternoon, Matt. You well? I'm well. You well? Yeah, I'm well. Good. So, picking up from where we left uh, part one, I guess. So, we talked about infrastructure, we talked about public access charging, we started looking into some of the grants. We said we were going to come on to cover vehicles in this half of the podcast. So, probably, I don't know, good place to start. What do you think? Plug-in hybrid? The plug-in hybrid is is an important step stone. It's an important model. It's reachable for people. We've just talked about the rise of infrastructure and the fact that, you know, when an electric vehicle doesn't need need to plug in to do its range, it's not just about pure EVs. Actually, if you think that for conscientious people that are going after a hybrid that they can afford because they are more affordable, pound note in your pocket value, forget whole life costs for a moment. Actually, if I turn up at Sainsbury's, Tesco's, Morrison's, any other supermarket and there's a charge point there, actually, if I'm being conscientious, I want a charge point there so that I'm always operating as as much as I can on my battery. A, it's cheaper, it's better for the environment, it's a better driving experience. So that's another reason why charge points are becoming more prevalent. I think one of the concerns, and uh, we're determined not to turn these turn these turn these into political discussions, mm. but we can't ignore the truth in the room that you know it's it's not too long to go until we in the UK will no longer be part of Europe. There is noise around no longer contributing to EU emissions targets and stuff. I think I think it's unhelpful noise. Yeah. But one thing I would say is a lot of the lobbying that I do in in, in some of the activity that I go in go through with the BVRLA and, and with government more directly is to make sure that we have enough slots, that we have enough stock. So manufacturers at the moment, it's well documented, will sell every EV four times over if they could. For sure. It's the reason that we took owner off of our quoting platform two weeks after launch, because all of the factory stocks were gone. In fact, I'm hearing that not only is all of 2019 gone and half of 2020, I'm now hearing that you won't get one until 2021. Yeah. Very, very popular car, very cost effective. But urging the manufacturers to say, you must make sure that this groundswell yeah. that is about to become a wave when we move into this 2% bracket, particularly in our space, yeah. and particularly you know PCP, PCH, these attractive vehicles, that we have enough of them. There's contradicting scientific studies around the chemicals, but it looks as if we've got enough for the next 25 years is the prediction, particularly when there's a lot of companies out there that will take those batteries and they will second use them. So gone is this question mark of, okay, well, from cradle to grave, these cars are now dirty because you have to dispose of the batteries. The batteries won't be disposed of. They will be taken into energy storage units and and energy storage cells. They'll be regenerated and rejuvenated from 75% to 90% and they'll keep going. And then once they're finished in a main energy storage cell, they'll see life. The cells will go into wall storage for your home. So the chemicals that are in there are going to be reused and reused and reused. So the stock issue is one that I hear a lot when I'm talking to people. I'd love to do this, but I can't do this. And I think it's, I'm not going to call it an excuse. It's another reason. You, You kind of look and go, well, you know, what about the infrastructure? What about public access charging? What about range? What about availability? It's just another reason not to do it. Yeah. As you know, we are on this journey. This isn't just me sat here evangelising electric vehicles. We have committed as lease plan to the EV100 group, um, which is a a group uh, formed from the climate change group. So we're in there with the likes of IKEA, Unilever, HP, and there's some big names in there. And we've made the commitment that we will take our employee fleet globally. Um, So that's everybody that currently drives a a lease plan vehicle as part of their, part of their, their perk, the job, will be fully electric by the end of 2021. 
and our entire fleet will be net zero emissions. So that's 1.8 million vehicles globally will be offset net zero by 2013. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's a corporate standpoint that's not some sort of you know corporate throwaway line that's part of our corporate strategy that that's what we want to do we have a role we have a responsibility with that let those that level of vehicles and actually the ev100 piece sits fairly and squarely on on my desk as well as our hr director in the uk to make sure we move our employee fleet i have to say tex is absolutely right when he says all you have to do to go electric is go electric from and and that's that corporate big move of course it's more difficult than that. Yeah. Of course, there are barriers that you need to overcome. How many charge points do I need at my office? Mm-hmm. What do I do about people's home locations? What vehicles are they going to get? But I can tell you, having been on that journey and being introducing it, the journey is worthwhile starting. Yeah. Don't stop because you perceive no. problems. And I think that corporate responsibility will will continue. You know, they employ a lot of people. You know, companies do. We, we use a lot of resources. You know, from paper to water to to light. And and I think there's going to get to a point where you're going to you'll choose the the suppliers that you deal with or the customers that you want based on those green credentials. And if I turn up at a corporate headquarters and there's no charging points in the car park, that will say something about that company at some point. And I think. You know, you're right. When I come up against it, you're just loosening knots at this stage. That's all That's all you're just trying to do. It is a more nuanced picture. But, you you know, you've got to start somewhere. In terms of the vehicle supply, absolutely they need to make more. But you've got to understand that manufacturers will be targeted and are currently targeted. You know, so looking at all the vehicles they produce across the world and what the average CO2 of those vehicles, as they become a point above that set limit there will be tariffs and charges to those manufacturers so they they won't be doing this out of the goodness of their heart this is a a shift in business model for them and it's a a challenging one for them uh, because their business model has been steeped in fossil fuel but again it's the momentum that this takes and once this starts to go and again people constantly tell me well but if we all went electric tomorrow the national grid would melt of course it would well we have an issue but when you've got players like Shell getting involved, BP getting involved, you know, they are going to have to then start looking at, okay, how are they generating power for the networks that they're producing? So they'll, start, they'll start working out some stuff like so that. That's a really interesting point. So there's always been this challenge about infrastructure. And if you talk to the likes of Northern Power Grid, if you talk to Western Power, you know, they will talk to you about the age of the grid, the tipping point, the balance, the worry about EVs. And actually... Something that is easing some of that worry is the technology on the charge points now, because we're not there yet in the UK because we don't have any tariffs that support it. But vehicle to grid is just round the corner. So when we talk about vehicle to grid, very, very simplistically, this is simply where your vehicle is capable of discharging into the grid or into a storage unit. There are several trials uh, running in the Netherlands at the moment in particular. And there are a number of charge points that are vehicle to grid capable. It's no point having it in the UK yet because people aren't going to do it out of the goodness of their hearts and there's there's nothing to support it. But I'm going to say conceptually, but again, if anybody wants to go and have a look at these trials, if they go and look at Erasmus, they'll find it. Think about now, so if you th- if you think about our office location in, in Slough and you think about the 145 car drivers we've got, they now turn up to work and to start with, there'll be limited access charge points because that's what they'll be doing. Ultimately, there will be charge points in the office because we want people to connect up. And actually what will happen is your car, as it does today, because connected technology and electric technology is so critically interlinked, you wake up in the morning at the moment and your phone says, well, the weather in Slough today is such and such because cloudy. it knows what my calendar is. Cloudy, drizzly. Yeah, exactly. And grey. 
right? And it can not always. No. Fair, no, no. Best place to best place to live in the world, according to Ricky Gervais. Yeah. So, but your car can see where you're going, and it un, it has that level of intelligence. Yeah. So when I arrive at my office and I plug in, actually my car will look at the number of miles that I've got. It will understand where my next journey is. It will give me a bit of latitude, but it will discharge those miles, reimburse me for them, and either charge someone else's vehicles or put it to energy storage. Wow. Same story when I get home. So if I you know get home at eight o'clock at night, if I'm lucky. And, and I plug in my vehicle, it won't start charging. Actually, if we roll forward to when there's half a million vehicles ac- yeah. across our grid, plugged in at night, supporting, you know, the, the, the normal statement is when people turn on the kettle at five to eight before yeah. EastEnders. Coronation Street and Emmerdale are also available. Excellent. That ability then for those vehicles to support the grid retrospectively yeah. in reverse and those vehicles then to be charged at one, two o'clock in the morning right. when they're taking so three, kind four of hours to uploading first yeah. before downloading secondary okay and actually if you're sensible and you're looking at this properly when we get to vehicle to grid and you look at some of the more environmental the renewable energy companies they're already set up so that you can say actually i want most of my electric at night and less my electric in the day when it costs me right. more so you can actually adjust your tariff. Like the economy seven type Ex- exactly like economy seven yeah. that's exactly what we're talking about and there's wall storage units that you yeah. can get at home you can connect it up to solar power panels as well this you know, and we are not talking five to ten years away no. we are talking maybe two to three years away wow. when this is a reality yeah so and again there's this now point that the research for the infrastructure and the grid companies has slightly changed. They're no longer saying, right, how do we get more and more power out there into into the energy? It's how much more do we need on the basis that we're going to be able to access all yep. this through vehicles to grid. It's quite amazing. No, that is. Yeah. And again, it's that sort of stuff. That's, a, you know, if I was listening to this, oh, wow, that's something I've learned. That's or that's something that, hang on a minute, if I was using the infrastructure's not ready yet, uh, we haven't got enough power yet as, a, as my excuse, then... It loosens that knot a little bit. I guess it'd be remiss as well to say, look, you know, there's some money flying around. So you talked a little bit earlier in, in this episode on uh, about whole life costs, but you've got to look at, you know, whilst the price point is is not maybe where people want it in terms of a comparable unit uh, that's internal combustion compared to an EV, but there's still some really good upfront money available from the government. So, yeah, um, so either plug-in car or plug-in van grants. Now, again, in the government, in all their wisdom, made some changes to this last November. And again, all we get is a soundbite. OK, EV grants has been either reduced or stopped. And I think there needs some clarity around that. So where they went after was the plug-in hybrids with a very weak zero emission range. So the ones that weren't doing very much on on full battery um, weren't actually being charged up potentially by the drivers or users. So absolutely, it's fair to say that those grants were stopped. The £4,500 grant was reduced to £3,500 grant, but there are still some really decent grants available for under 50 gram kilometre emissions and ranges ZER above 70 miles. You know, so a decent uh, z- zero emission range. Um, <laughs> nice. I've, I've, <laughs> I've caught myself out there. So these are grants of up to a maximum of, of, of three and a half grand. And there's a great link if you go to www.gov.uk and just go forward slash government forward slash news forward slash I'll, I'll put the we'll put the link on the Insights website. But there's an ongoing live update. So when new models are released, before you start looking at okay, is this something we want to go? Check is there a grant available for this 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 type of vehicle upfront money? Then you get into plug-in van grants, and that's up to so these are for 
less than 75 gram per kilometre range, travel at least uh, 10 miles, uh, zero emission range, so a bit lower because of the van, but you can get up to 20% of the purchase price of that or up to a maximum of eight grand per van. So again, I, I speak to... That's very high. Well, I speak to a lot of van operators, you know, and, and they go, oh, but have you seen the price? And they are high based on volume, based on everything else. But when you're taking that off, when you're then looking back to one of our earlier episodes on WLTP and you're looking at things like ultra-low emission zones where you're potentially paying a, a, a charge per day for a, an older van and you start to then look at whole life costs, it gets you closer. You know, it's not... None of this is silver bullet stuff. None of this is the sort of kind of maiden's prayer, but it gets you closer to, to vans that can be operated efficiently by drivers that want to operate them. The popular ones, the, the Nissan ENV200, the Renault Kangoo ZE, the Master ZE. But there's some cracking vans coming out in the next sort of year, year and a half. And again, Parker's Guide, um, parkers.co.uk, they've done a really, really good review of upcoming and, and current electric vans. So they've looked at them, um, okay. tested them. So that's a really nice resource to go to okay. as well. You talk about grants. I think one thing that we should touch back on is office charging, infrastructure charging. Yeah. So... Most people, some people will be aware that there are grants available for up to 20 charge points at at an office location for a company to take advantage of. And it doesn't reduce it completely. It's something like 25% 25 of the the implementation cost. However, what people, companies tend to miss is the whole cost of any electric infrastructure is offset against capital allowances, 100% in the first year. You were going to go WDA. I stepped in before you did. (laughs) I'm on to you. So absolutely, if if, if as a business you're making profits, you can write off 100% of the cost in the first year straight away. And again, that makes that very powerful. And, And some of the work that we've been doing Doing with customers, prospects, wider industry, and indeed looking at our own office locations, you start with this perception of, well, I'm, you know, I've got 50 electric vehicles, I'm going to need 50 charge points. Of course, you don't. You you need to look a bit more carefully at where do people live? Can they have a home charge point? Their frequency in the office. It doesn't take a huge amount of work. There's a piece of work to be done, but it's not huge to look and say, actually, if I cut it into four-hour sessions with people, when do people need to charge? How often do they need to charge? And the interesting thing is there are charging apps available that sync to your charging infrastructure wow. that will not only able enable you to book slots at work, they will tell people that they need to move their car because their car has finished their slot yeah. and it will stop charging. You can make it a bit more stick and you can say, actually, we'll charge them twice for their electric if they don't move. Wow. So that actually, and OK, everyone's now got an image of a car park full of employees moving their cars yeah. constantly. That's not the reality. It's again, it's a perception. It just means that you just need to give a little bit more thought about how many charge yeah. points you need in the behaviour. And again, yeah. just because I'm coming into work in an electric vehicle, if I only live 20 miles away from the office, well, you shouldn't have access to a charge point at the office. No, you don't need Because yeah. we're going to charge you the same amount as you would at home. So our recommendation is always that individuals are charged for every single electric mile they do, and then they reclaim their business mileage at approved energy rates. It avoids any tax complications, any system complications, any discussions with employees about I should be reimbursed for the electric that I'm using at home. My business. It's just, no, you pay for everything, you reclaim your business mileage, yeah. and it's clean. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think you're right, it's about planning. You know, I remember when I first started driving, and you could only put three quid. Yeah, yeah. I, the guy at the front with a, with a flag okay. walking in front of me. Yeah, yeah. cheeky, man. But you're in a situation where, where you, when you were restricting, you know, I had a fiver that I could put in, or three pound, I think, you know, that you really thought so about. Okay, money. We, <laughs> stop it. But you're in a situation where you really planned your journeys, and suddenly you became an adult, and you know, it was fill up every time. 
But actually, it's starting to look at that. Okay, are we using what we need or are we just using it because we can? You know, and I think that it changes your mindset. It changes your sensibility. I think also what we can't overlook is is how people feel behind the wheel of an EV. When they, once you've made that transition, there was a report yes, in, great, in great Holland point. last year and it, it surveyed a, a huge number of electric vehicle drivers. And they said, you know, on their experience and all the things they love, nothing coming out of the tailpipe. You know, they like the fact that it's clean, it feels clean. But then when asked, they said 86% of them said they'd never go back now to an internal combustion engine. I think the other issue is, is that sometimes a test drive's not enough as well. So I think if you look at the solution we've got through Lease Plan Flexible or Flexible ELCV, you know, we're looking to a situation, you know, obviously vehicles availability. You can try uh, it longer term. Absolutely. So we've got a kind of, you can have it for three months, you know, you'll pay a a short term rental on that if they like it, um, because that's it. That's what you've got to, you you not only get used to the vehicle, what's it going to be like charging, what's it going to be like using it. But if they, at the end of three months, say super, we can then either convert that into a fuller lease. Or they're in a situation where they can then select their vehicle and go for it. So, and I think that's that will become increasingly popular. Um, I think there's something that we're missing as well about the driving experience on EVs. Quite simply, they are just cool. Yeah, yeah. I've, there is not an EV that I've got into from a Tesla to an e-tron to an iPace to even to a Leaf. I'm going to be honest. I personally, I don't particularly like the look of the Leaf from the front. It's just my personal viewpoint. But you get inside one, and from from electric vehicle to electric vehicle, they are super cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yes, you do get the feel good factor. You know, they're quite quick if that's what floats your boat. The mileage range now is is not something you know. People again have got this perception of oh well, you say 250 mile range, but what if you put the heater air con- on? Air what if you put yeah, the aircon yeah, yeah, yeah. on? Yeah. Uh, but under WLTP, they're combined tests. They're combined test cycles. It, it's yeah. done. Yeah. So actually, what you should be asking is, what could I get out of it if I turn everything off? Yeah, I like so, that. Yeah, yeah, and for just wearing a hat and scarf. Well, well yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure we've got convertible EVs yet, unless you want to go to a Tesla Roadster. But you know, let's let, let's not go there. Yeah. And so I think what I would encourage you, our listeners, really to do is when you find yourself thinking to yourself, "Oh, I, I, I can't go to EVs because I can't go to EVs because." Just turn that around and think, I could go to EVs because. And they're not going to be right for every single piece of your fleet at the moment. There are going to be groups of of drivers who you can move immediately for whom, you know, EVs, pure EVs are right for. There's going to be a group of drivers who perhaps plugins are more appropriate for. And that might be from an employee engagement perspective. That might be a small step you want to take. Ranges will answer most of the issues. Of course, you're going to have drivers out there that are doing very, very high mileages per year who you might want to give second thought to. But my encouragement to you is for every time you think to yourself, I can't go to EV because think I can go to EV because and reach out to people like ourselves. Reach out to colleagues within your industry that are experienced and we can put you in touch with people that are on this journey as well as ourselves. And actually, you might find it's easier to make the start, more easy to make the start than you think. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think you talk about being cool, but I think it's also being responsible. We are a global community, you know, and I say you only need to look at the news over the last sort of five, six, seven, eight weeks. And we've got the younger generation looking at to us saying, what are you leaving us? You know, imagine coming home in your electric vehicle, what, do you, what your family will think. I have to say it makes for... You want to make sure you've got a happy film lined up after it. But if you look at, uh, if you want to go on YouTube and watch the address that Greta Thornburg made to the yeah, to the EU, absolutely, it's absolutely staggering. And you know, okay, she gets very upset. It's quite it's, it's quite teary, but the sentiment is genuine. And you know, we're not we're talking about 
a massive implication on the environment by 2050 now. This is within your and my lifetime, well, with, a, with a bit of luck. Well, they're saying, our yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, but saying, yeah, 2050, what, 200 million people displaced because yep. of loss of habitat? You know, I mean, the stat that blew me away was they calculated by the 7th of August last year, we'd used, by then, what our planet provided us for that year. So from August to Christmas, wow. we were in debt. So it came up with this rather awkward stat that that equates to we would need currently 1.7 Earths to sustain everything we want to consume. And at times that just now just seems a little greedy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, I had a good Christmas. <laughs> so you think we're going to you think we're going to do a podcast on lab grown burgers and, you know. But, you know, so it's it's it is that, as I said on previous episodes, it's uh, if not now, when? It's a it's a, comp- it's a it's a compelling message. And I just start the journey. Yeah, you're not going to do it all by tomorrow. No, we made this announcement in 2017 for everything by 2021, and we had been working on it since then in, in terms of that strategy. No, the vehicles aren't available, but that doesn't mean that we haven't been working on the plan to get there. Sure. So set yourself a goal. Yeah. Set yourself: who do I want to move in? What can I do, rather than what can't I do? Yeah. and reach out talk to like-minded people there's plenty of information on the insights page so that's insights.leaseplan.co.uk there's a web form on there again if you want to fill it in ask questions there's plenty of materials on the easy to lease plan hub and i just encourage you to stop think and make a start absolutely well what a great place to stop (laughs) that's been a great discussion yeah that's great thank you well thank you andy as always that's great and um see you next time guys we'll we'll speak to you soon all the best